Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. You being bombarded by legal letters from your ex's lawyer or from your ex? Well, this episode is for you. We are going to talk with Lynn, a family lawyer of 35 years experience, to what steps you can take and the five important things that you can look at in how to respond, when to respond, why to respond, or if to respond at all. Welcome, Mum. <laughs> Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. Now, we get a lot of uh, messages from people saying that they feel overwhelmed, which is why we started the course and the podcast in the first place, where, you know, they, they're getting so many letters or they're just getting bombarded with non-stop legal stuff, whether it's from their lawyers or whether or their ex who doesn't have a lawyer. So we thought it might be a good idea today, Mum, to talk about how we can deal with that. So if you're listening today, Mum's going to talk you through how to deal with deadlines that they might give you in their letters, not in court documents, in legal letters, whether or not you should respond at all, some kind of checklist that we, you can go through and see whether it, you even need to respond. Uh, number three is is a bulk way of responding. We're going to talk you through that. Number four is a general way of responding. And also number five, we're going to talk about uh, truth and evidence in letters and whether, when you need to worry about it and when you don't and how to go about that. Mm. So thank you, Mum, for coming along to answer all of these questions. It gives me a break from legal work. <laughs> I wonder, lol, um, I wonder how many lawyer letters you've read in your millions of years oh my working as a lawyer. Oh my goodness. Could you reckon it would be a fair Since the Jurassic times, yes. <laughs> I've read many, many. <laughs> when it was on papyrus? Many, many lawyers. Watch it. <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> now, look, there, I know, um, you know, because you're a lawyer, if, if, if our listeners both have lawyers or if their ex mm. has a lawyer and they have a lawyer, it's the lawyers that are getting the letters yes. between each other. And, but, um, but there are some listeners that don't yep. have a and, lawyer. And if you've got a lawyer, your lawyer's got to pass that letter on to you to get instructions. And I've learned, um, having been through it myself, I've always said, we could, uh, I could send a letter from our firm and just put the words to Barbar Black Sheep on it. But just opening a letter or e- email from a law firm makes some people's heart sink to their boots. Um, some people that will depress them and some people they'll argue with it. <laughs> well, my, my question with that is, and just to, you know, let's just pretend I've got, well, I don't have much knowledge at all about it, but a legal letter to someone who is not in the legal profession is a bit of a freak out because you like it feels like it's a court yes. thing already when you just get a letter. But is there anything in a legal letter from a lawyer, from a law firm, or from an ex pretending like to making it very serious? Is there any legal implications to a letter? Oh yes, yes, because you can expect that letter to end up in court attached to an affidavit, and sometimes your response is critical um, to what you say to that letter. So I can understand why people get nervous. Let's uh, remember, unless you're actually rushed into court or already in court, um, these are more negotiation type letters um, for, you know, usually. Um, But we do under the new regime send a letter of a notice of intention to file and you need to take that letter seriously. So um, you need to take a deep breath and just think about what the letter actually says. 
So usually the first letter will be more of a general history and just saying they act and and um, it should offer some sort of mediation option or something. So just go through and pick out any of those actual doing doing words and that should give you the thrust of the letter okay so so you go through you have a look it's not a a legal document per se but it can be added to an affidavit later and your response or lack of response um let's talk about uh what seems to be maybe a lot of people freak out about is these deadlines that are put in letters by their exes or their exes lawyers that say respond by this date or blah, 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 or we expect you to give this information by this date. Could you talk everybody through listening today? Uh, how, how, do you, how do people deal with that? How does a lawyer deal with that? How should people who don't have lawyers okay. deal with it? So if I was acting for someone and I got a, a letter saying that I had to respond to something by 4 o'clock this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon when it's not particularly urgent, um, I either just ignore it or, and, or I write and say, that's too soon. I'll need till next Wednesday to get that information. And that kind of take, that kind of takes the sting out of that letter demanding you do something or demanding you, you said, tell them something. Um, that's what I do. Mm. Uh, unless there's something like time with a child coming up on the weekend and then their deadline's reasonable, I guess. But then you have to say, why did you write so late? So generally what I, what I like to do is take a breath, um, slow down, just read it through carefully and, and, um, then I talk to my client about it. I don't, I don't immediately jolt into responding by email or flashing it off to the client. What do you think? You know, you've got to calm, calm it all down and see what, whether they've got the right to demand these deadlines, for instance. You know, mm. if the, so, so if, if the deadline says, you know, respond back by next week. Mm. I want all of this disclosure for property settlement or is a week a, a, a decent deadline? It's a bit soon unless it's a simple question they want an answer to, but disclosure and stuff like that. It, the question, the answer I guess is, Rose, you know how long it's going to take you to get all these documents together or is it that you just have to look in your diary and you can answer? So if it, if it feels unreasonable to you, it probably is and you can write back and say that's unreasonable for me. I need I need is at it, least till Thursday or is it fair to say that maybe in terms of deadlines and responses to legal letters that it would be expected to be, you know, nine to five business hours a business expectation of response, unless it's some sort of urgent court application or something like that. But when you like do do you try and think of it like that? Because I know a lot of our listeners probably are used to backwards and forwards emailing with their ex. Uh, mm. you know, at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, mm. 10 o'clock at night. And if it's the ex saying I've got this deadline, I want it by 9 o'clock tomorrow night, you know, can, is it reasonable to say that, that maybe they could set some boundaries with so. their exes if it's not a lawyer yeah. to say 9 to 5 is when I answer these yeah, emails? that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I think e- I think yeah. email and text has uh, has shortened the um, the communication line between people and instead of making it easier for people what it's done is the person demanding the answers expects the answer immediately I mean there's this phrase I've seen in some lawyers letters uh, please respond by return email <laughs> which is we used to have return mail which means you'd get it at the nine o'clock post in the old days and send it out in the two o'clock post but what does return email you know like it's like implied you have to do it immediately so I'm just doing some time management stuff at the moment and I'm batching 
the um, I'm batching the emails, so I'm not following their agendas, their timelines. You know, I'm looking at it, mm. and so you're entitled to ask for a reasonable time to answer your letters. What happens if you end up in court and a judge says to you, "Why didn't you respond by the deadline?" Will you get in Sometimes. trouble? Sometimes. Uh, so if there's a, like if it's a really unreasonable deadline, you can explain it to the court. The better thing to do is to respond respond to the lawyer or to your ex saying, I will respond, but this is too soon. I'm getting it together. And then they can't, people can't put one letter before the judge without putting the whole chain of correspondence before the judge. And you can say, look, Your Honour, I I said that it was too soon, but I did give it to them 14 days later. That sort of thing. Okay. All right. Let's go on to number two. Mm. So we've done deadlines. What about how like say they get like seven a day mm. or two a day mm. or you know it's so many by the end of the week there's like 20 emails um how do you determine whether you need they, they the listeners should respond at all well are there times when you could just yeah, not answer? this is general advice only because sometimes there might be some little bombs hiding in there but by and large mm. uh, you, i wouldn't expect a lawyer to be sending that many letters a week honestly um it's and mm-hmm. it, it could well be your ex trying to bully or, or demand um, ways to control that are um, to say, uh, look, I only check my emails once a day. Um, so from you, give them a separate email address to deal with. I'll check that email um, every, you know, at four o'clock every afternoon and I'll deal with it whenever. Or you can say even in a case where it's really ridiculous, like little tiny emails going zing, 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 just say, look, I'll read all your emails every Friday. You know, yeah. Um, unless it's well, important. I've seen um, not in a in a in a legal sense, but I do know if the charity that one of the charities I work with they have a an auto response because I only checked that email box once a week when I had time yeah. to work with the charity. Um, so we had an auto response that went out saying uh, so an away message basically. Yeah. This email box is not checked. Uh, except for on Tuesdays and Thursdays yes. between this time and I'll get back to you then. So if you've set up an email, if you do have a, a manipulative controlling or a high conflict X that's sending you a bazillion, uh, set up a, a separate email just for them. Don't call <laughs> it anything awful though. Uh, you need to but say no, your yeah, court yeah. case or something. Court or Put whatever it is. And then yeah. And then just put an auto responder that says um, this email box is checked once a week, and if it's urgent, please or twice. You know, a week. if things are really fluid, or twice a week. If things yeah. are really fluid, um, whilst you say that you're checking it once a week, it might pay you to have a quick look at it, make sure there's nothing in mm. there that's too important, because a manipulative and yes. controlling person could use that against you. Now, Mum, what are the things that you should be looking at to make sure that? you should respond or shouldn't respond. You were talking about the sections Sections of the the Act. Act. So can you talk us through that? So for kids matters, anything under Section 60CC of the Family Law Act, if they start to allege um, that uh, the kids are saying this, that or the other and that's not true or if they start to say um, uh, they don't have a good relationship with you, they don't want to see all of that, so you need to respond to those sort of like bad parent allegations pretty well straight away um, so that you mm-hmm. can't, don't have them controlling the narrative that they just tell you all the time, this is what's happening and you don't get a chance to answer back. So sometimes it's it's you're just going to have to suck it up and respond. Otherwise there's their version of events 
is the one that's on the table in writing. Yeah. Mm. So, okay. yes, yeah, so go so through the, the act and check. That's for children. Yeah, for- what about property? So mm-hmm. if it's a property matter mm-hmm. and you're getting legal letters or X's mm-hmm. from your ex about property, what section of the act? Uh, are they so for if you're married, it's section 79 of the Family Law Act, mm-hmm. um, and there's similar section for um, is for de facto as well. So you might as well just use the 79. So they, anything that talks about your contributions at the beginning of the relationship. Uh, anything that talks about what you did during the marriage, you know, so if they say you didn't work or you did work or you didn't work much or you kept your money, you might need to say, no, I didn't um, in that. But don't get too down in it because they'll never change their views probably unless you've got evidence. Well, and that takes us to number five, but let's talk about number five now. If So you're getting bombarded with emails in there, they're, they're talking about maybe Section 60C yep. or 79 and you're like, oh, oh, I need to respond to yep. that. Um, and you do have the evidence mm. or you want to share that truth. Um, how do you go about responding to a letter like you, that? You say, that's not true. General advice yeah, general only. Advice, that's not true <laughs> yeah. and here's the proof and attach it to the responding email. Uh, that way, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you know your ex knows this thing very well, um, it lets them know you know it, and if they ever have to produce it, try to produce it in court, they your email um, goes with it. Uh, if it's a lawyer that's writing these things and just taking as as true whatever their client is telling them, and then they, in other words, the client your your ex is filling that uh, is making the bullets, and the lawyer's just firing them without looking at their case. If you send evidence back to show that their client is full of it and not telling the truth. That will make the lawyer more careful in the future and there'll be a very uncomfortable mm. conversation between the lawyer and the client unless um, that lawyer is uh, not a good lawyer. Okay, so sometimes it's a good idea to be like, hey, here's the truth yeah. and here's the proof. Yep. And maybe it's a little bit of a wake-up call for our listeners if their lawyers, their ex's lawyers aren't aware, if they are manipulative or controlling or high conflict. So it is a wake-up call for their lawyer, which is a good thing. It is. Thing. It kind okay. of divides and conquers because because their lawyer then starts asking them the hard questions. Not only mm-hmm. about that, but then they're going to wonder if anything else they're telling them that you haven't got evidence for might be a lie. Yeah, so it puts them mm. on notice. Well, that's mm. good. Okay, so imagine that our listeners have created an email address, they get their letters sent there from the lawyers mm-hmm. or the ex personally, they get heaps, they've set up the boundaries, they said, I'm only going to check it Tuesdays and yes. Thursdays at four o'clock, don't expect a response the same day unless it's urgent, but they're still getting heaps of letters. What can they do? Um, is there a way to bulk respond it, there is. to emails? How do lawyers do that? Well, so lawyers do it. Um, We do it. If there's lots and lots of letters, I'll often um, write back and say, look, you know what, I'll I'll just answer you on Fridays. (laughs) Um, I'll collate them Mm. all and answer them on Fridays. Uh, If if your ex is writing to you, suggest he puts it all together in one email and sends it and let him know you're only looking at it on Friday and you might write a response on Friday. You may go in and sneak a look leading up but he knows she's not going to answer and you'll just send one one email in response so in 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 the beginning of the letter do you say something like in response to your letter dated this date this date and this time do you put it all you in can. there I, I would do that 
um, you can be a bit more casual, I guess, in response to your uh, eight letters of the past week, but put a date on yours mm. that you're sending it. Yeah. Mm. And, and then okay. I, I just say, and, and you can say this little phrase in there that a lot of, um, you can say, if you're confident this is true, uh, what, uh, what your clients, uh, no, so what you, what you've written isn't true. And, um, and, uh, my version of events is completely different. Uh, which I'll tell, which I'll set out in full at the appropriate time. You can just send that and say, it's not true, you know, and I reserve my rights okay. to respond later on. And so that takes us to that general response. That's the number four. So you generally, generally, instead of going it, so they might say, um, on Monday, you did this, Tuesday, you did this, Wednesday, you did this, and Thursday, you did this, blah, 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 blah. And you have to respond to it all. And you can just watch to say, you can say this. It's not yeah, true. It's not true. You can yeah. say, "Look, I've read your I've read your emails or I've read your letters of the past two weeks or like past week, and it seems to me that your complaints are one um, about this such and such a schooling, or two about the money I spent. Don't get into the detail with them. Just give them general headings, and then you can say, mm-hmm. "Look, in relation to." Sorry to interrupt this podcast, but we have some valuable information that might just help you out. If you're separated or about to be and ready to get everything finalised and sorted but you don't know what to do next, or you're looking for a way to do your own divorce and settlement without spending thousands of dollars on lawyers, or you're looking to make property and parenting agreements and finalise your divorce papers with your ex-partner while keeping in control and in the know of each step and stage that needs to be done in the legal process, then you already know what you need to do, and that is to sign up to our DIY Divorce Blueprint. Empower, educate and equip yourself with the legal know-how and tools you need to get divorced and finally settle. Work through this course at your own pace without feeling confused, lost, scared and overwhelmed with the family law legal jargon and processes. We invite you to the DIY Divorce Blueprint, lovingly created by mum with over 40 video lessons, PDF templates, swipe files and letter template guides. We're there for you. Enroll now. Go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and find out more. Onto it all, and you can just watch to say. You can say this. It's not yeah, true. It's not true. You can yeah. say, "Look, I've read your, I've read your emails, or I've read your letters of the past two weeks, or like past week, and it seems to me that your complaints are one." Um, about this such and such a schooling or two about the money I spent. Don't get into the detail with them. Just give them general headings. And then you can say mm-hmm. look, in relation to the schooling, um, uh, I don't know, um, you're able to get all of the documents yourself. I've asked them to, so sort yourself out with that. Or if it's in relation to um, money that I've spent, uh, I've, I've given you all the receipts, but here they are again. Just sort of... Don't go through each little point and exhaust yourself because you've mm. got to start looking at getting to the end of the case yourself in your way and you don't mm. want them running, you don't want to be running around chasing red herrings, you know, no. that they set up. No. So when, so you've been doing this for a very mm. long time, Ma, no offence, but a long time. When do you see the flurries of email action occur when can our listeners be prepared and go all right i'm going to get a lot of letters in the next week or two what stages of the divorce process do they well it depends on who you've got is your ex okay so a lot of times Mm -hmm. um my poor clients get things on their birthdays um yeah wedding anniversary valentine's day just to upset them i think 
Um, How romantic. Yes, not very nice. <laughs> but <laughs> for the record, I oh, may, if I know someone, I won't even send the letter if it's a birthday of the other party coming up or, you know, we check and we don't do that because oh. how's that going to help solve anything, you know? That's yeah. right. That's right. Um so just is it the build up, build up to, to court, maybe mediation court case mediation court. yep you can okay. expect it and in those instances it's a good thing because you're trying to negotiate yeah. and maybe yeah. get not court to yeah. happen because you can sort it Hopefully. out yourselves so i yeah so a flurry then is probably a good well, thing well you wish they'd done but it before what is, <laughs> that's true but what is too much oh that's a hard much? question. I think <laughs> I think that if they start raising issues um, that have never been mentioned before, you need lots of time to respond to that and you need to say this is a new issue and uh, I'll, I'll mm. take time to respond. So I don't know. Um, I don't think people should send more than one email a week between each other, particularly in property. I mean, hardly anything's that urgent. Um, you can expect flare-ups mm. uh coming up to court cases or if someone loses in court, you can expect a lot of flurry. But, see, some people have no emotional control, uh, no self-control. So when they think of something spiteful to send, this is not the lawyers, but they just send it and there's little zip, zip, zips. Mm. So usually if they've been made mm. angry or they're worried about something, it's hard to say. Okay, so you can expect the flare-ups around emotional yep. things or court events or lead-up mm. to. Um, we've talked about deadlines and, you know, writing back and saying, you know what, this deadline doesn't really work for me. I'm not going to get it in time. Can we change no, the no, deadline? No, no, not can we change. What about not can we change? You say. Oh, not can we change. Uh, I'll, I'll be, be doing it by I will be able date. to respond or I'll be able to answer you in, you know, a week or 10 days or so and okay. make sure you do then. Okay, now let's flip it the other way with the deadlines. Can And I know we talk about this in our mm. course because it does help a lot with avoidance yes. um, if they just don't respond mm. to anything. Adding a deadline yourself. can If you are self-represented and you're writing a legal letter to a lawyer, mm. can you have the audacity to give them a time limit or of a deadline? Of course you can. Of course you can. feels a bit wrong no, yes, to but tell you're not a lawyer the that lawyer they have to the respond deadline. to you and you're, you're not. You're giving your ex the That's deadline true. through the lawyer. So, yes, you can. But, okay. look, if you're going to do I, I use them sparingly. Some people, some lawyers, everything's a blooming deadline, but they haven't got what I call an or else, you know, and you think, okay, okay so I have to answer by tomorrow at five or else what? What are you going to do? So what? <laughs> and there's hardly ever an or else, hardly ever any consequences. What you're better to do if you're going to set a deadline is to give them a reasonable time, two weeks or three weeks even, is fine. Be mm. concise about what it is you want them to do. Number what you want them to do. Give me copies of this document, Do you know, and and stick to it. So one clue that I use, I don't give a deadline at 5 o'clock on a day or even 4 o'clock on a day. I give a deadline at 2 o'clock on the day and say my or else usually will be filing something in the court or seeking costs against them. Um, and that... Two o'clock deadline means I can do it on that day. And in our course, we mm. talk about having an option, having um, always knowing what you're going to do if they do or don't respond properly or the way you want. And mm. so having that's right. I would, yeah. if they're particularly recalcitrant, um, I would send a copy of the orders. Recalcitrant, if they're particularly stubborn, stubborn. Uh, okay. Then sometimes I okay. even draft the orders and, you know, 
or, or draft the application and attach it to it and say, this is the application I'm going to file if you don't get sorted. And it really, I give a time right. and a date. I don't say within 14 mm-hmm. days. I say by 2 p.m. on Thursday, the whatever the day. And and you'd be surprised how often your email lights up at a quarter to two with the responses yeah. coming back because that's a deadline. And frankly, if you've got um, someone giving you two weeks to answer, or else they're going to do something expensive for you, um, then that's one you really need to respond to. I think if you're if you're getting bombarded, it's easy to miss the important ones, but have a quick scan through. Mm. Um, make sure as they come through, it's annoying, I know, but make sure you can see um, that there's nothing too bad in them and then batch them for the end of the week. But have your red flags. Okay. Mm. And what about being firm you say take a deep breath be mm. firm so how can our listeners maybe they have been in manipulative controlling mm. or a high conflict um or they're just losing their mind with an avoidant uh or they're amicable that's great but how do you be firm in letters when you respond back how how, how do think you do it, that with yeah your i think it's more about being clear so uh, be respectful but clear um, and don't be snarky, mm. don't be, if your client had even bothered to look, he would have known. That's, that's, or as your mm. client very well knows, she, don't do that. Just say, I'm referring to your letter. Um, and my response is one, two, three. Just try, I try and mm. number them and make them clear points. Um, or you may have mm-hmm. had to say, I've had a number of emails from you. I understand these are the issues and here's my response. And I reserve one, two, three, and I reserve the right to respond more fully at a later date that that sort of puts it all away so cl- if you tr- don't think of it as being um, aggressive just be clear and and keep your boundaries and keep your respectfulness and imagine it being read out loud in court so you know that's a good that's a good test yeah, yeah. are you going to be it's like when you were a kid in yeah. high school writing letters to your boyfriend <gasps> would i be embarrassed if my mum read this so well, the teacher ask says the same question. show me the would i be embarrassed show yes, me the note show me the note i'll read it to the class <laughs> Yes, so that will happen with a judge possibly. So the same question you need to ask yourself, will I be fine if a judge Mm -hmm. reads this? Um, Okay, so you've got all of those things, Mum. I think we need to just talk quickly about uh, the domestic violence aspect of being bombarded with. So if it's not, if it's maybe uh, some of our listeners are getting emails um, under the, the you know, yes. about property, but or there's about like 25 children. of them a day. Yeah, they're allowed to email. And, or maybe they're getting text mm-hmm. messages, you mm-hmm. know, and and it's, it's, it is part of the process to untangling things, but maybe they're, you know, where where's the line? It's a very where's hard line. Where's the line, line? and it's, what should they do? A, it's a difficult line to draw. So usually mm-hmm. a domestic violence order will say that you're forbidden for communicating except in relation to the children. And so uh, mm. I did have a case once where the person mentioned the children in every every email, but they were awful emails. And then he just oh, and such and such, um, how was such and such Went at school to today? Or such and <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, right. it was very difficult with um, mm. to prove that that actually went across the line to DV. But what I did mm. do, I took the time to print them all out and count how many per page, and we'd had 1,500 emails. So that's a lot, um, and the, the court accepted that that was excessive and it was a bombardment. I mean, nearly okay. all people, though, if you've got this happening to you, you've got the power yourself to do those strategies we said, 
change it to a court email, that might make them settle down, block them on other access to other emails. Um, if they know it can be exhibited in court, it might tone them down. A lot of people on our children or those parenting apps, because they can't be deleted and because they can appear in court, I think it tones it down, if not the frequency. Mm. And maybe you say and we've, this, the number of these is really um, harassment, and, uh, and bordering on domestic violence and uh, and specifically ask them to stop, ask them to limit it to one a week, you know, and and mm. that there's no reason why someone has to send you two lines every time they feel cranky. Yeah, yeah, because I guess that, like you've said, sometimes it's a, it's a, a way because we've had some listeners write in and say, I don't know how to deal with this. Now, obviously, if you are in a domestic violence situation and you feel threatened or you're worried about your safety or your children's safety, of course, go to the police, show them the messages, you know, um, just go and talk to someone, call 1-800-RESPECT uh, and know that, you know, you can tolerate a certain amount of behavior to an extent, but if it goes over that line and you feel like it's going over the line, go and speak to someone uh, and see if you can get some help. And you can get a domestic violence order that says that communication can only be about the children and property. And we've had messages of people that are copying this on the chin every day and it does actually affect their life. I know one person who won't check their text messages. So their phone dings all day and they don't look at their text mm. messages. So it's, you know, you don't want that to impact on well, your life. So so come up with a way yeah, around So sometimes it, people boundaries. buy a new phone um, and that one just mm. becomes the yuck phone and you can keep mm. it in a drawer, you can turn it off at night. Like it's different if the children are over there, you might want to keep it on. Mm -hmm. But that way your other phone, your fun phone, your life phone, at least that's a kind thing to have and, and you can get your supportive messages from your friends um, through that one. Yes. So just kind of yes. isolate it. Now so say you've got a high-conflict relationship and you're not self-representing, you have a lawyer and the lawyer's getting bombarded with your letters. Uh, there's some implications there, some cost implications. We've always talked about this, that it can cost $50 for them to read it, $50 for them to write a response. $50 to send it to you to look at. Yeah, what kind of strategies can people put in place if they have their own lawyer, their other lawyer or the ex is bombarding mm. them um, and it's costing them money. What are some okay. strategies? How can you work so with their lawyers? So there's two main strategies and it does depend on how willing your lawyer is to work with you to keep the cost down. Um, it's usually pretty obvious that one person, the other side's trying to run up costs. They do it a lot when they're self-represented as well and they try to make the person who's got a lawyer pay a huge bill. So talk to your lawyer and these these are the things you can discuss. You can talk to the lawyer about uh, having an automatic response to those emails, saying I'll read them on Fridays, you know. Um, you can talk to the lawyer about whether they'd be prepared to send them straight through to you unopened um, and that that they uh, that you would get them if you need them to need their help to respond to something. You can only do that, I think, if you give an indemnity to your lawyer and say, look, I'm, I'm instructing you to not read the emails, uh, but just to send them directly to me. And then I will ask you if I need help with any of them. If, if, since most of them aren't particularly relevant, you know, and that the, the lawyer will worry about that because they might miss something vital. But if you've got a clear understanding of what you need to watch out for and the lawyer's prepared to give you an indemnity. And I've done that a lot. 
Um, so batching and having an undertaking that from the client that if they want instruction, want uh, help, they'll ask you for it. Um, generally, I wouldn't do that okay. if there was a lawyer on the other side. But if there's an individual mm. just constantly bombarding me, that's what I would do. Mm. I mean, it's courteous as lawyers okay. to, to respond to a lawyer. Um, the other way of doing it, of course, is to have step-in, step-out processes. So you where what by that I mean that the lawyer um, does all the court work and the documents, and so they're on the record around those times for court, but then they they stop acting for you as far as everyone else is concerned. You file your own if you're in court or notice of address or they tell the other side that you're self-acting now if you're not in court. And you then field all of the silly emails for a while using those strategies I've given you. And if you see anything that you think you need help with, then the lawyer's still there in the background to help you. And so I do that a lot as mm. well, just to stop that nastiness. Mm. The new practice directions mm. are aimed at stopping that sort of behaviour, uh, but it's a long time between when it happens and when you can ask for costs of that. You know, it's just poor behaviour. Okay, is that is that how the practice directions starting are to, trying to yes. stop it? Yes, so the central practice direction um, is starting to, like its aim is to get people through efficiently and, and, um, and at the least cost so cost-effectively, mm. um, and to settle the disputes uh, between parties. So if they get wind of any of this bad behaviour, which is, let's face it, if we're talking about it here, and I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times, it's not it's not a brand-new thing someone's just invented. It's been happening for years. So they're onto it. Mm. If they get wind someone's doing mm. that, they may find that, that person may find themselves hit with a cost order to pay some of your legal fees, or the lawyer might even, there's been costs orders made against the lawyers who are conducting themselves wow. badly in court. So the court, family courts, uh, Federal Circuit Court and Family Court of Australia are trying to uh, control the process, stop the cowboys and, uh, yeah, make mm. it more fair for everyone, hopefully. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so, look, we talked about, and I guess when it comes to letters in the old days, and I remember I used to do it for you and I worked for you and after school, I did the post did. run. I had to write down the name of the, the file and, the like, how much money it cost to spend, and I'd stick the stickers on and go the stick stamps, it in the letterbox. Yeah. Now everyone could just email, email, email. Um, but if you are being bombarded and you're a listener today, whether it's your lawyer or it's you and whether it's their lawyer or your ex, Think about what we've talked about, the deadline. it doesn't have Their deadline doesn't have to be That's your deadline. Right. You can always write and say, it's not reasonable, I'm going to be doing it by this time. Um, of course, general advice only, if there's some legal or if or else that's really going to hurt or you, make any sure doubt. that you made the right If you've got any decision. doubt, get some help. Yep. Yeah. And, okay, the next step is you can always, number two, whether you respond at all, have a look at the sections of the Act. So it's 60 CC mm. or Section 79 yeah, for property. Section 90 if for they're de facto, trying to, yeah. se seven, Section 90 for de facto, you can just Google mm. that or look in Auslit. Is that Ausley. right? Uh, Ausley. Yeah. Not Auslit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cool like version that. of Auslit. Um, also, you can do a bulk response. So you only read it once a week or check it, make sure there's nothing too bad in there and then only respond at the end of the week or at the beginning of the week into response of all of their letters. So you're not completely spending half your day every day responding to legal stuff. You can also do a general response. That was number four. So just generally respond and say, that's actually not true. And I'll respond when it is required to respond to it. 
And also number five, if you've got the truth, you've got the evidence and it is touching on any of those points in section 60cc, section 79 or section, section 90. Section 90SM it is. SM. SM. Okay. The alteration of property then interests you, and de facto. You give them the truth, you give them the evidence and you send them that. Mm. And, of course, you know, be firm, take your time, take a breath. Mm. And, and mum, that last thing that you're always really talking about is don't let them dominate the story. Yeah. Don't let them steal the narrative. Yes. So if they're always saying, look over yes. here at the, if, if I don't know, if what, story, and you've got to go, but what about if, over if here? If their story <laughs> is about you being a bad housewife or a bad educator or it's usually an assaulting thing and they'll be looking to make evidence. Look, Your Honour, I wrote this letter, therefore it must be true. She never cleans the house or she doesn't mm. feed them properly or he doesn't this. Um, you, you you feel the urge to respond and, and you probably should in a general way. I'm a good housekeeper um, and there's no evidence from anyone to suggest otherwise uh, or, I'm mm. you know, I'm good with schoolwork. But you also don't want to let them get away with the stuff that you need to make points about. On the other hand, your client has just done this or, you know, so I've seen um, women usually being bombarded with emails about tiny little things that they the other side reckon they've done. In the meantime, the person who's sending all those emails is getting away with everything but murder, <laughs> stealing the car mm. from the garage, selling the caravan for a profit, and, it, and they just keep you busy defending your character or defending yourself. So mm. often when someone mm. accuses my client of something, I have a good hard look at them because they might be projecting <laughs> and the other person right. might have done exactly that. Well, the biggest one is uh, your client's got a separate account. Oh, have you? <laughs> I ask them, have you got her? <laughs> so then I start looking ah. a bit deeper because, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I mean that is one thing that they talk about with narcissism. It's a projection. Mm. Sometimes they, um, if if you're in a relationship and they're they're accusing you of cheating, yeah. you maybe you better check that they're not yeah. cheating. Well, also too, <laughs> um, they, so because they've thought of it and done it, they assume everyone thinks like them. And often you'll be horrified mm. at some of the suggestions they come up with. Who would even do that? Who would even hide money in the TAB? Have a TAB and credit? Who would put money in a credit? I oh, know on a credit card, thousands of dollars, mm. but it's in the positive. It's mm. But people do guess, offshore. Yeah. It's just amazing, mm. a particular person. Well, if you're interested in that <laughs> kind of story, listen to our DIY disclosure because oh, Mum yes. talks you through all the places people hide yes. money. <laughs> so um, definitely check out that episode. Mum, I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom in this. I think it was important for us to touch on responding and and if you're getting letters and bombardment what can you do to set up some boundaries to save your sanity and to keep you know still being doing the right thing legally oh. but also yeah. getting your time back i know it's, you know, it's hard you've back. got a balance between that's why this is general advice because there might be a real doozy slip through while you're applying one of these mm. strategies so you need to be vigilant mm. but i would save your responding for one day a week and like I said, you can put your phone in another room. You can only check your court emails every couple of days. That that will help you. And and by the way, I think mm. I've mentioned it before, but when you set up your new email, um, yes, give it a respectable name um, because you know yes. what happens when you print out an email. It's across the top. 
So you don't want sort of <laughs> you know, sexy 63 or whatever. James Bond uh, 007 no. or something. No, you want it to be yeah. polished. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if you have found this episode informative, we would love it if you could jump on the Apple uh, podcast section and give us a review. We've been loving listening and reading the reviews. We will be choosing another person next month. Um, so we've got a couple more, two more weeks. So get get in there and write us a review. And we've been having some great success with our members and mum's been, mum's been, um, having a great time having a chat with them and making sure everyone's going okay. If you're interested in looking at our DIY divorce blueprint, go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au or um, you can also, we are going to be doing another webinar and this webinar is going to be on who stays in the house. So we're talking about property settlement and your rights in family law. And mum's going to be talking you through all of that. That is free. So jump online, www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and click on reserve my free webinar seat. And we're really excited about those webinars because mum actually gets to see the people <laughs> that, um, well, not see, we don't see you, but we get to respond to and we always do a live Q&A at the end and it talk to those people yeah. that have been listening. So it's it's a good, it's a two-way thing instead of this, this one-way thing where we think no one's listening. <laughs> and you know, Laura. But they who, are because we're in the charts all the time. <laughs> but who stays in the house is really relevant right from the very beginning when you separate. Um, yes. All the way through yeah. to when you're negotiating, who's going to keep the house, who could buy the house out, all that. So it's it's the whole mm. gamut mm. and maybe in domestic violence yeah. as so, well. Yeah, so that'll be fun. This is true. So th- looking forward to that, Mum. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. Bye. Thanks, Mum. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording. 